Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located on the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Jesus Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Church, let's stand to our feet this morning. The Holy Spirit just told me there's someone in this room that needs to hear, welcome home, welcome back. So if that's you, we're so glad that you're here today. And guys, we just wanna worship our Heavenly Father. We made a decision early this morning that we were not gonna let the enemy steal what we came in this place to do today. So we just pray that over you today. We just wanna worship it. We wanna be on fire for him. So let's do this, come on.
was telling first service, um, my wife and I are demoing our, our tile in, the, in our house. And this weekend we were going through, me and my buddies were going through and smashing these tiles. And God gave me this, this word and he gave me this, this vision of us just smashing this tile. Sometimes, you know, your heart is just smashed. Your heart is just broken. And your heart is in all these tiny pieces. And all these shards fly off when you start hitting these tiles. And all this dust just starts to fly off. And guess what? God is the only one that can put every single piece back together. And he began to speak that into me. He began to say, you know what? I'm the only one that can grab that dust. I am the only one that can grab that tiny little piece of tile and put it back together. Your heart back together again. So all you have to do is rely on me. All you have to do is ask and I will come to your rescue, amen? So if that's you this morning, I just want you to lift your hands right now and receive that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to our rescue. We thank you for the breakthrough that you have in store for us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord.
God, you are good. Psalm 27, 7 and 8 says, Lord, hear me as I pray. Be merciful and answer me. For my heart has heard you say, come and sit with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Jesus, you are so good. Lord, we respond to that heart call from your heart to ours to just come and sit with me. So Jesus, we just invite your presence around us. God, we pull up a chair. We wanna be influenced by you, Jesus. Influence our, our thoughts, our, our vision, our hearing, our senses, God. We wanna see the things you show us. We wanna hear the things that you wanna tell us, God. You are so good. So Father, we come to you right now. I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive, God, what you have for us. But above everything else, God, we're just happy to be in your presence. In your presence, there's freedom and healing and wholeness and love. And we, we, we love that about you, Jesus. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for that. I pray that every single person here in this room or listening online can feel your presence, that sense of home, belonging. Lord, we love you and worship you. In your heavenly name, amen. He's good. Come on, tell him one more time. He's awesome. Well, for those of you that are here in person with us, find somebody, tell them, you look good. Say that. You look good today and find your seats. For those of you online, you look good too. You do. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. We love to see Fellowship Church's reach go far beyond just our valley here into our state, our country, and all over the world. So let us know where you're tuning in from. We love to be able to see and engage with you during service. So light up the comments uh, in the chat, whether you're on Facebook or on YouTube or on our website. If you're on our website, there's someone with you right now to be able to pray with you. So click that prayer to button, and we'd love to be able to um, speak with you. Whether you are new and you're in person with us right now, or you're new and you're uh, tuning in with us, we'd love to just say welcome. If you want to connect with the staff and, and just learn a little bit more about Fellowship Church as a ministry, get your cell phones out, whether you're in person or, or online, and just text the word fellowship to 94,000. That gets you on our radar. We're able to connect with you during the week as, as well as um, give you a couple different opportunities that are here at Fellowship. If you're in person and you're brand new, stop by our info center. We'd love to give you a free specialty drink to our coffee shop as well as a gift bag as well. Um, for anybody who's just wondering what their next step looks like here at Fellowship Church and what that, um, your next step in, in your relationship with Jesus and how it could fit in here, stop by our next steps counter uh, in the east end of the lobby. We'd love to be able to help you out with that. Right now, we're going to just start taking the, the tithes and offerings, and we don't pass baskets or anything like that anymore, but there are a lot of different ways to give. Uh, one of my favorites is the Church Center app because it tracks it for you and everything, but uh, there's also offering boxes in the lobby. You can do the text to give or stop by during the week. We'd love to be able to see you, say, hey, pray with you. You can always drop off a gift there as well. We want to be able to pray for you guys if this is just a tough financial season for you or if you have bills that are looming or something that's going on. We know that can be a big, heavy burden, but God calls us to pick up his burdens, which are light. Um, and it is definitely something of the world to attack us with finances, but God wants to bless his kids. So I just want to pray for that right now. Jesus, we love you. Just as we sang, God, you are good. And God, you tell us to even test you in, in ways that we can give to you, God. And, and so Father, I pray that um, for anybody who is in financial stress or struggle right now, God, first, before you even pour out the blessing, I pray that they can feel you. God, they can feel how close you are and how much you love them and see them. 
Um, God, and I pray that you can unleash financial blessing on them for them to be able to um, just feel that, God, and, and know, uh, Jesus, that, that, that you, you do care about your kids and you, and you bless them. So, Father, whatever that looks like, whether it's just more money or, or a car lasting longer or a relationship that's healed, whatever that looks like, God, to relieve some of that stress, I pray, God, over those, those uh, families and that. And, Father, over these offerings and over these gifts, I pray, God, that you can bless those as well. Thank you so much, Jesus, for giving us such a tangible way uh, to love you back. We love you and we thank you. In your heavenly name, amen. So this morning I was talking with uh, Pastor Hooper Sr. on the phone and um, he was just like, hey, Will, what's going on? What's coming up? And I told him we have a divorce care class coming up and it's something that Pastor and Anna have always really, really loved ministering to is people that are um, like single moms, single dads, people that have been touched by divorce at all. He loves being able to minister to those uh, types of people. And so uh, as we were talking, by the way, he's coming back from vacation next week. He's really excited to see us and um, be back in person with us. But Divorce care is something that is on, you know, Pastor Anna's hearts, but ours as well. And, if, and we want to be able to uh, give you a, a place to, to walk in a small group setting through something like that, that's traumatic and that's hard and that's difficult, where you can have other people kind of struggling with the same thing, walking with you through something. And Divorce Care is going to start next week. It's going to be on Wednesday nights. You can sign up on the Church Center app, get your books in the bookstore. It's, it's a really awesome course. And uh, it's for both guys and girls. There'll be a guys group in there and a girls group. And it's, it's something that's super special. So I wanted to let you guys know um, all that. There's a lot of other things coming up, and we'd love to share those with you now. Every single Sunday while you're here in the adult service, we have a whole separate service happening for your kiddos. In Kids Church, we have our second through fifth grade students. That's where I'm at every single Sunday. It's a ton of fun and we could use your help back there. So if you've been attending Fellowship Church for at least six months and you're looking for your next step, Kids Church could be the place for you. Maybe you're a couple that's looking for an opportunity to get to serve together. Maybe you're a mom or your dad and you just want to really invest into this generation of kids. You could be a teenager if you're over the age of 16. We're looking for anybody who just has a heart for kids, who wants to keep them safe, but also just wants to invest into their lives. If you're interested, we would love to have you back there. Maybe it's uh, hosting an element, so you're keeping them safe on the kids' castle, in the ball pit, in the craft room, and check-in. Maybe it's during service, you're sitting with them, you're helping be a role model for them while they're learning the different Bible stories and worship, playing games. There's just so many different opportunities back there. It's so much fun, and we would love to have you. If you're interested, you can sign up on the Church Center app with a volunteer application, or you can head out to the Info Center after service and ask more questions. On Sunday, April 24th, during the 9 and the 11 o'clock service, we are having our Baby Dedication Sunday. Such a special moment. Parents of infants get to dedicate their kids' lives to the Lord. Now, just to be clear, this isn't a baptism. This isn't a sprinkling. We'll do the baptism later on in their life, but it is a special moment where you as a parent get to make that dedication to the Lord, to the kid, and to the rest of the family. If you're interested in signing up, you can do so on the Church Center app. On Sunday, April 3rd, after the 11 o'clock service, we're doing our cornhole tournament. It's going to be so much fun whether you're a cornhole pro or not. You need to sign up. It's an awesome opportunity to have a ton of fun, to just build community and meet some new people. There's also going to be lunch involved with some barbecue and some prizes. The cost is only $25, so if you're 15 and up, you should sign up because you're not going to want to miss it. We hope that you have enjoyed the service so far. Here's part two of our Rescued series.
In August of 2010, the world watched as 33 Chilean copper miners were trapped under the surface of the earth. And this was worldwide news. And these men were trapped under 770,000 tons of rock. And they had very little to deal with. They were like in a carved out room that they found in their, inside their mine and they were huddled together. And after a few weeks, we were able to establish communication with the rescuers on the surface, with the men underground, and they were able to provide um, some medical needs and other things like that. NASA got involved and they were advising the men of the psychological effects of, of being trapped under the surface for so long and giving them advice on food and nutrition and medications and all kinds of stuff. But we watched with bated breath because we were waiting for these rescuers to get to them. And as they were digging tunnels, the tunnel would collapse and they'd have to start over. And 68 days, these men were trapped under the surface of the earth. And the world watched and waited for their rescue. Their families watched and waited for their rescue and even camped out on the mine site. But waiting for rescue is so hard. And as we continue in part two of our Rescued series, today we're gonna dig into the story, the rescue story of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And their story is tricky because it involves waiting. It involves waiting for rescue, waiting for God's timing, waiting for everything to align for that rescue to come. And waiting can feel like a curse word in our generation. We don't like it. I don't like it. Um, and we want to do everything we can. Many times we invent processes. We invent items and products to minimize our have to when it comes to waiting. For example, I got an Instapot for Christmas a few years ago. I got sucked in by the advertisement. It was the word Insta that really did me in because as a working mom, I have three minutes from the second I walk in my front door at the end of a workday until I have to provide some type of food for my children. If this does not happen, they transform from precious little dear ones into hangry gremlins. And so I have to be fast. And so when I saw the ad and it said three minutes from frozen chicken, chicken to tasty, thawed, prepared, tender chicken to set on the table, I thought, this is me, this is my life, this product is what I need. And so I asked for it for Christmas and I got it. Do you know what the ad didn't tell you? It didn't tell you that you have to wait 37 minutes for your Instapot to pressurize before the three minute countdown to the chicken comes. I feel that's extremely unfair. I didn't have 37 minutes to wait. And so here's what I did. I took water, because you're supposed to add the frozen chicken and the water, right? I microwaved my water so it would heat up faster, so it would maybe pressurize faster so that the three minute countdown could start. I don't like to wait, okay? That's what I need you to take away from this story. I do not like to wait. And so I know that when I dig into this text in John chapter 11 and we start going through the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, there's going to be some tension between me and the text, some frustration as I look at these main characters that are known to have to wait through some difficult circumstances. Let's dig into it. John chapter 11, beginning now in verse 1, it says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, your dear friend is sick. And I find that to be a weird message because I would have been a lot more clear. 
I would have said, Lord, your dear friend is sick and please come heal him. Or please pray a prayer over him or do something because I don't want him to die. I would have, it wouldn't have been a sentence. It would have been a very clear list of what I wanted to happen. And it wasn't a text or an email. Like they had to find a messenger of some kind, give him the note, and then he had to wander around Israel and find where Jesus was teaching. Hopefully he had a horse to get on and get moving. But, but somehow this man finds Jesus and gives him the message, just the basic info. The one you love is very sick, okay? Mary and Martha were confident that Jesus would receive the message and know exactly what to do. They knew him. They were in relationship with him. They thought, we're going to send this message. Jesus is going to get this message. And then he's going to start coming. Because they had seen Jesus heal the blind. They were there, most likely, when he fed the 5,000. They watched and heard stories of all the miracles. They heard stories of, of him walking on water. They heard stories of him speaking to the sea and it becoming calm. They were confident that Jesus would know exactly what to do and bring their miracle in time. They even heard of the story of the Roman centurion. The Roman centurion, which was of course an officer in the Roman army who were their arch enemies, their oppressors, he came to Jesus by sending a messenger, asked for a miracle, and Jesus didn't even have to go to where the centurion servant was sick. He just spoke the word. And so Mary and Martha knew that story. They knew Jesus from wherever he was in Israel could just have spoken the word and Lazarus would have been healed. So they were extremely confident in their emergency. They sent a request and they knew, they just knew that Jesus would answer them. Verse five, it says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stared, stayed where he was for the next two days. Jesus loved Martha, Jesus loved Mary, and Jesus loved Lazarus. He lists them by name in the text. And I think he lists them by name to emphasize the personal nature of his love for these people. Because sometimes we think that if someone's going through a crisis, that they're distant from God. If someone's going through an emergency, it must be that they've, they've done something wrong. We think that the presence of the crisis means that God's presence isn't there. But the truth is, is the presence of a crisis never cancels the presence of God. The Bible tells us that nothing can ever separate us from the love of Jesus. Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse 35, it says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even all the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or on the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fact that we need to be rescued doesn't mean he loves us any less. And for years, Christians have believed that lie, that the presence of a trial or the presence of trouble means that God is not as present or that God doesn't love us or that God doesn't care. But that is not true. Jesus warned us that in this life, we would have trouble. And here in the story of Lazarus, we see that the presence of a crisis does not cancel the presence of God in our lives. Verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That sounds crazy to me. 
He loved them so he delayed rescue. He loved them so he deliberately took longer. He loved them so he stayed away long. That doesn't make sense to me. Because as a human being, my tendency is to see someone I love and I wanna, if it's in my power to rescue, I'm gonna swoop in and I am going to try to rescue that person. But here we see that Jesus says, he loved them so he delayed. He loved them so he had them wait. Why? Because sometimes premature rescue ruins people. Because sometimes premature rescue ruins people. I knew a family growing up in Wisconsin and the dad of this family was awesome, kind of the envy of the neighborhood. He was always doing stuff with his kids, playing, engaging, involved, laugh, life lessons, the whole bit. And the son, the youngest son of this particular family had a childhood illness. And as a result, I think the dad felt bad for the kid. Maybe he felt guilty, I'm not exactly sure. But for whatever reason, he then allowed that son to avoid any difficulty or hardship. Like he wanted to protect him. He thought the childhood illness has caused enough trouble in his life, so I'm going to protect him. And the dad got in a habit of interacting and disciplining differently with his youngest son than he did his other sons. And his behaviors, the youngest son's behaviors were often uncorrected, uncoached, un, he never got called on the carpet for things. And so when the boy was in elementary school and the principal or the teacher would call, the dad would just swoop in. He'd go in and fix it somehow with a phone call or an office visit and he'd blame the illness. He'd say, well, you know, it's not his fault because, and there was always an explanation and the child went uncorrected. And when he was a teenager, the child would get in trouble at work or, or encounter a conflict or something wouldn't go way and the dad would likewise swoop in and do something to untangle the mess so that the son wouldn't have to be corrected or endure any difficulty. And when he became a young adult, the pattern continued. Now the dad was established in this habit and so the boy went into business and as a young man, he would have the normal struggles of early entrepreneurship and the dad would figure out a way. He'd drop everything and come to the boy's rescue. He'd drop everything. He'd dig into his pockets. If the things weren't financially going right, he would just figure out a way to fix it. And as a result, the now young man was kind of a jerk. He was rescued prematurely. And as a result of being rescued prematurely, it literally ruined him. But God is a good and perfect father. And he will not rescue us prematurely, even if we ask for it, even if we beg for it. God knows that sometimes the tension of the problem is exactly what we need to mature. God knows sometimes that the waiting for the solution, the waiting for the rescue is what we need to develop our faith and our character. And that's why James chapter one explains it. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes premature rescue ruins people. So who was Jesus trying to provoke growth in by delaying the rescue of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha? And who is Jesus trying to provoke growth in by delaying my rescue or yours? 
I think that Jesus is trying to provoke growth in a lot of people in John chapter 11. Because a rescue story doesn't just affect the guy at the center that's being rescued. It affects anyone close to him and anyone close to them and anyone who even hears about it later. It's like a rock in the lake and the ripples. Everyone is affected by the rescue. And so in this case, sorry if you don't know the story, he dies and then he's dead, and then Jesus raises him from the dead in a while. So in the end, the people who are in the crowd, that, sorry, did I spoil it? <laughs> the people who are in the crowd that saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, I mean, their, their faith was strengthened. They were impacted by the rescue. And then the disciples of Jesus were impacted by the rescue. In John 11, earlier in the text, it says that they weren't, they, they kind of weren't so sure that Jesus could raise them from the dead. And so they needed to have their faith built by this. Of course, Lazarus was definitely affected by the rescue, right? No one caused, nothing can cause you to live with an eternal perspective like literally visiting eternity. And so Lazarus was definitely affected, but so were Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, I think, is who this rescue story is actually about. We like to say that it's the rescue story of Lazarus. We like to say that because he's the one that was dead and then undead, and that's pretty darn cool. But ultimately, by being rescued, he actually got downgraded. He was in heaven, and he had to come back. That's kind of a bad deal for him. So who is really being rescued in this story? I think it's Martha and Mary. I think they're the ones that needed the rescue and they're the ones that were desperately asking for the rescue and I think they're the ones that were most changed by the rescue. I don't know. Maybe if you, if you know the stories of the New Testament, you'll remember that, that Martha was cooking dinner for Jesus and she got after her sister, right? And her sister was sitting at the feet of Jesus and she felt no compassion towards her sister and didn't get up and help her. And so you see this back and forth between the sisters. And I wonder if it was in that moment or a different moment, but at some point, Mary and Martha revealed that there was something wrong inside them. There was a funk. The name Mary actually means bitter. So maybe that's what it was, but there was some kind of bitterness, some kind of ugh, that Jesus needed to deal with in the women. I think the women were being rescued, not so much Lazarus. And Jesus, I think, delayed rescue of Lazarus to bring this out in Mary and Martha. And I think if this didn't come out in Mary and Martha, then Mary and Martha would have never become all that God wanted them to be. So Mary and Martha sent word, Lazarus got sicker and then Lazarus dies. And what do you do when you've done everything you know how to do, but it doesn't seem like God is coming to your rescue? You've prayed the prayer, you prayed it passionately, you meant it deeply, but you're not sure that he's hearing you. You've asked for healing, but you're still sick. You've begged God to rescue your child, but they're still in the middle of this thing and there's no answer. And you're, what if your prayer request list looks almost exactly the same as it did five years ago? What do you do? Because they called for help. They were his friends, they weren't some strangers. Martha cooked meals for Jesus. Mary sat at his feet. Jesus slept in their home. He relaxed in their home. He probably walked in their vineyards. Like These guys were true and real friends of Jesus. But knowing Jesus did not exempt them from problems. It didn't exempt them from trials. And further, Mary and Martha were unmarried women in an ancient male-dominated culture. And so the Bible makes no other reference to any male relatives. We don't know if there 
if there are any. And so in this society, they were unlikely to have been able to inherit. So they were, of course, concerned for Lazarus, his safety, his future. They loved their brother. But I think there was a part of them that was still like, but if he dies, how will we be provided for? How will, how will we be protected? Because they probably couldn't inherit anything in this situation. So they would have been destitute. So I think there was a lot going on in their life as they called to Jesus. They needed this rescue. It was an emergency. He was their friend. They were confident he would come, but he didn't come in time and Lazarus died. Jesus didn't make it to the house. He didn't make it to the hospital. He didn't even make it to the funeral. Lazarus had been dead four days in the grave. Four days, they'd prepared the body for burial. They delayed as long as they could. Jewish tradition at this time said it was possible that a person could be resurrected in the first three days. But by the fourth day, it, all hope was lost. That the body would now stink and that no one could be resurrected past the third day. And so Mary and Martha were now beyond hope. And here comes Jesus. And these women were devastated. They were disappointed. They felt betrayed by a friend at their moment of deepest need. And so when Jesus finally rolls into town, they've got some baggage. Maybe it was there all along. Maybe it, it came during the delay, but, but they've got baggage now. And Martha hears that Jesus is arriving. She hears that Jesus is now in town. In verse 21, it says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone rises on the last day. This conversation sounds pretty forced to me. It's like Martha starts off saying, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's authentic. That's how she's feeling. That's the truth, right? But then she realizes, man, if I say that to Jesus, I'm probably going to get in trouble. So she changes it. But I know whatever you ask for, the Lord will do. She, she makes it more palatable, more spiritually acceptable sounding rather than authentic. But to be honest, she's doing way better than her sister. Mary has a serious attitude. Mary doesn't even come. She stays behind at home, ignoring Jesus's arrival completely. And when Jesus summons her, she spits out the same question in verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And how many times do we say something simple, something similar? Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have lost the job. Lord, if you had been here, the diagnosis wouldn't have been so bad. Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't feel so alone. If you had been here, I wouldn't feel so broken. I wouldn't have gotten hurt so bad. The battle wouldn't have gotten so ugly. Lord, if you had been here, I wouldn't have been abandoned. He wouldn't have cheated on me. The divorce. Lord, if you had, we all have our own, Lord, if you had been here. And the ugly just came pouring out. The two sisters are asking each other the same question. And I wonder if Jesus delayed their miracle because he needed that ugly to come out. He, he needed them to, to flush clean the disease of complaining, the disease of distrust, the disease of whatever was causing that bitterness. Is that why it, it took so long for him to arrive? Because if he had healed them from a distance or he healed them when they first asked, all of that would have stayed inside these women. And so I wonder who is the rescued in this story? 
Here's what I know about women. They came and they brought the same sentence to Jesus. And because I'm a woman, I know this is what we, we do when we're hurting, right? We get with other women and we talk about it. That's what we do. And I think that's what these sisters did. They were in the empty house by themselves. Lazarus was in the grave. I think they sat around talking about it, right? And so because of that, they talked about how Jesus was late, how Jesus betrayed them, how Jesus wasn't there when he was supposed to be there. And they came out of that conversation. They blurred out to Jesus, but if you had only been here, my brother once have died. They were thinking the same thing because of who they were talking to in that situation. They were listening to the wrong voice. But the truth is that Mary and Martha are never going to get the rescue that they're asking for with that kind of attitude. You know how I know that? Because I'm a mother. <laughs> right? And every single mother in this room would say, I am not going to do something extra for my kid if they come at me with that kind of bitter attitude. I'm not going to fix things. I'm not going to change things until they change and they fix inside. And so Jesus arrives late and Mary and Martha are hurt. They're disappointed. And now they have to forgive. They have to move past their bitterness. And I think one of the things they have to do is they have to forgive their perception of Jesus, in order to grab hold of their miracle. They perceived him to be late. They perceived him to not care. And they had to forgive that before they would ever be able to experience rescue. And I ask myself, why is God delaying my rescue story? What growth is God trying to provoke within me by doing so? And what baggage do I need to lay down to be able to lay hold of the rescue that he has planned for me? When Lavelle and I were first married, we talked about wanting to have kids. And we decided we felt like we were gonna have kids naturally and that we would also have kids through adoption. And so we decided, well, it's easier just start um, having some kids. And so we went down that path and negative pregnancy test, negative pregnancy test after negative pregnancy test. And it was tough. We went to the doctor and found like, what are the medical problems? And there was no explanation whatsoever from a medical standpoint. But we were right there in the middle of infertility. And I remember standing right over there. And it was a Sunday morning worship service and it was one where we were bringing our families down and we were dedicating babies to the Lord. I was so excited for all these families that I had watched and all these women that I had seen go through their pregnancies and I was celebrating with them, but at the same time I was grieved. Because I stood there with watching everyone with their babies and the moms and the grandmas all dressed and everyone's taking pictures and it's this beautiful moment and I'm thinking in my own heart, but Lord, we've worshiped, we've prayed, where's our baby? And people said all kinds of stuff like they do in situations like this. People want to say something to help and so they end up saying something that comes off kind of insensitive, maybe weird or rude. Um, and so I'd heard it all and I just stood there and I cried. And we took some trips to Denver, we took some medications, some shots, more trips to Denver, more shots. Why was God so slow in answering our prayers, more medication? And all of this was happening, it was taking a toll on me as a person. Like I was emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted, spiritually exhausted, and, and the act of, of trying and going through all these fertility treatments, I was like, I, I can't do it. It's tearing me apart. And so my husband and I, we decided to put the dream on pause. 
A couple of months later, it was a prayer time, and a woman from our church family came to me, and I barely knew this woman at the time, and she came up, and she hugged me, and she was like crying, like ugly crying, just sobbing. And so I'm hugging her, and she's choking out her story, and she tells me the story of her, of her life. And in her life, in this moment, she's struggling with infertility. Her and her husband are devastated. It's so overwhelming. They're going through this, and I, I could feel her pain, right? I, I'm right there myself, right in the moment, trying to have something smart to say to a woman who's in the same spot as me. So we're both crying now. We're both grieving. We're hugging. We're praying. It's, it's crazy, right? Two years from that moment, she and I have sons eight days apart, and we've both adopted children from the same biological family. And I think, when I look back at that moment, and not just that moment, but the season of waiting, the season of delay, the, the long and the pain of that delay, I think, I couldn't admit it then, but I can see it now that God was doing something in me. The delay was maturing me. The delay was changing and healing and, and getting the funk out of me and, and helping me to become a new and different and more mature person. Now, I am not saying, I'm not saying that if you've struggled with child loss or, or miscarriage or struggled with infertility that it's because you need to learn some kind of lesson. I don't believe that. In fact, if that is where you're at, I wanna say, I see you. I see your struggle, I see your pain, I see your hurt, and I care deeply, and I pray for you personally as well. But whatever it is that you're needing rescue from, for whatever reason you find yourself in a delay, if you're in the delay, ask the question, God, what is it that you wanna grow in me? What is it that you want to mature in me? What is it that you're trying to provoke within me or get out from me so that I might be mature and complete, not lacking anything in the midst of this trial? How, how are you gonna redeem this and heal this? Because I think if we had gotten pregnant in the normal quick way and everything was smooth sailing, we would have missed out on some things that God was trying to work in me and through me, in my family and through my family. So Jesus turns to Mary and Martha and he asks this question, John eleven thirty four. it says this. It says, where have you put him? He asked them, they told him, Lord, come and see. And I think each one of us has some pain in our life, a wound in our life. And, we, and Jesus is saying to our heart, show me where that wound is. Where have you put it? Where, where is it? because we each have one. Jesus didn't know, need Mary and Martha to show him where Lazarus' grave was. He knew, but they needed to show him their hurt. And maybe you're here today and, and you've got some hurt in your life from some disappointments, from some betrayal, from some broken spot. And you know what? You need to show it to the Lord. You need to show it to him for your sake, not his. To say, here it is, Lord, here's, here's where I lost my faith. Here's where I lost hope. Here's where my heart got broken. Here's where I felt betrayed. Here's where I felt left behind. Here's where I felt abandoned. Here's the hurt, here's the wound, here's the scar, here's the whole bloody mess. Here it is, Lord, because sometimes we need to just show Jesus. We need to just show him where we're hurt. And then the next verse, John eleven thirty five. 35, then it says, then Jesus wept. And I think if you're honest enough, 
to show Jesus and let him in on the pain and the heartbreak and the hurt as you wait for rescue, I think that you'll find a God who's incredibly compassionate, who's loving and kind, who weeps with you. The Bible tells us that he collects the tears that we cry, every tear in a bottle. He counts them and he numbers them and he weeps with us and he cries and he cares deeply about the pain and the loss and the disappointment in the waiting, he cares. And so whatever it is that you need to show the Lord, know that you're gonna be met by a kind and loving and compassionate God who cares deeply about the process and the hurt that you're going through. In fact, if you would, would you stand to your feet with me? I've had the privilege of having these prayer moments with teenagers for 20 some years. And in those moments, I feel like God meets us in a special way. And so if you'd let me as your sister in Christ this morning to take you to that place where you can show Jesus, show Jesus the wound, show him the hurt, let the healing process begin. If you're here this morning, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, yeah, that's me, the delayed rescue, there's hurt, I have a wounds and I need to show it to Jesus, would you just lift up your hands? There's a hurt, there's a wound, and I need Jesus to heal it. You know, that's a lot of us. Can I, can I change my mind? Can you come down here? If you're raising your hand and you're saying you need, would you just come down front so we can pray together? You see, I believe there's power when we admit to one another that we're hurting. We admit before God that there's a broken spot within us. And I believe that in this moment, that's something beautiful that Jesus can do is he can heal it. So here we are, right? A broken people. But here's the really cool thing about our God. In John 11:25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so if you're here this morning and you feel like my hope died, my health died, my future died, my dream died, my marriage died, my job died, my promotion I had my eye on died, something in my life died, guess what? You serve a God who is resurrection and life. He doesn't just have the power of resurrection and life. He's not just capable of giving resurrection and life. He literally is resurrection and life. And so if you would, I'd love to just pray with you God, I thank you for these men and these women that have come down front who, who are raw enough to say, I have a wound, I have a death in my life. And I need you, Jesus, to be the resurrection and life in the middle of the mess that I've got in front of me. And God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would meet each of these women and each of these men, that they would show you their hurt. Maybe even right now, friends, if you would just whisper to the Lord while you're down here, just tell them. It's because of the miscarriage, it's because of the divorce, it's because of the passing over, it's because of the abandonment, it's because of the pain. Just show him your pain. Jesus, you see the hurt. And God, I pray now that you would be the resurrection and the life for each one. That you would heal, that you would restore, that you would resurrect. 
God, we pray that as we put these things in your hands, that you would bring us to a place where we can trust again, where we can hope again, where we can believe again, where we can see your resurrection power at work in our life, even if our loved one remains in the grave, that we would know that our life goes on, our hope goes on, our future goes on, our purpose goes on. And God, I pray now in Jesus' name for resurrection power and for healing for these hearts. Lord, that we would recognize and choose to trust you. Trust your timing. Trust your plans and your purposes, even when from our perspective, it feels delayed and late. We acknowledge that you are God and we are not, and we trust you even when it hurts to say that. And God, I pray for healing and restored hope for each one of these brothers and sisters. In your name we pray, amen. I love you, church family, and we will see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you need prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church or you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again and we hope to see you next week in person or online.